listening to Symmetry Health 360. This episode is brought to you by AFIA, a symmetry company, the behavioral health experts. Today's episode is hosted by Elizabeth Liz Kern, Principal Consultant, and Kathy Pulaski-Detling, Vice President of Clinical Strategies. Join them for this episode, Things to Consider, if you want to become a CCBHC. So Kathy, you've worked with behavioral health agencies who are applying for and have received SAMHSA grants for over 10 years and even longer in community health. Can you tell us about your experience? Sure. Prior to my role as Vice President of Clinical Strategies, I worked in community mental health for about 26 years, starting in day services and then working as a case manager, as a clinician, before working in a leadership capacity for about eight years. Now, as a consultant, I work with agencies to develop the processes, the workflows, and all of those culture shifts that are needed for improving innovations in behavioral health, including integrated care, CCPHC, and other improved practices. And now, because there are federal grants to support these innovations, I work with agencies to apply for these grants and implement the innovations based on funding requirements, the measurement outcomes all with the goal of sustaining those innovations once the grant funding has ended. Could you define what a CCBHC is for our listeners? CCBHC, or Certified Community Behavioral Health Clinic, is a national model for providing a comprehensive array of community-based behavioral health supports and services. And this is beyond traditional outpatient services for people with mental health and substance use support and services needs. And so when we refer to behavioral health, we are really talking about recovery-directed supports for people with mental health and substance use disorders with the focus on enhancing community-based services before the point of crisis happens and other more restrictive services are needed or to have in place after the immediate crisis has some resolution. And can you tell us about what SAMHSA is and what their role is in the behavioral health space with CCBHCs? At the federal level, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services oversees the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Agency, known as SAMHSA, which has the role of supporting the planning, development, and implementation of the CCBHC model through federal grants and policy guidance since 2015. And SAMHSA has just issued an updated 2023 document that really enhances and outlines the requirements for an agency to be considered for a CCBHC. This is a big initiative nationwide. A lot of the agencies we work with at AFIA are in various stages of applying for and receiving these grants. Can you provide some background on the currently available grants? I'm sure. SAMHSA just awarded 15 more states planning grants to support CCBHC development at the state policy level. And those states will identify agencies to be pilot sites to implement a payment model for financially sustaining the CCBHC model long-term. And SAMHSA has plans to continue funding new states annually with the intent for CCBHC to really become more of the standard of care across the nation for behavioral health care. And for individual agencies, There are grants for planning and development that are renewable up to four years to help an agency ramp up and do all the changes and innovations needed to meet the CCBHC standards. So if you're in a state without a CCBHC planning grant or you're not designated as a pilot site, you can apply for your own grant. In March of 2023, there was a new grant announcement where agencies can now submit an application for funding with these applications due May 22nd. 
the CCBHC planning grant application process has been traditionally an annual process. So if agencies are not ready to complete the application process this year, funding may become available next year. And if I'm an agency that wants to apply, what should I be doing to prepare? Well, the transformation from a traditional clinic to a CCBHC really takes a strong commitment from executive leadership and the agency as a whole. So agencies should start by asking the following questions. You know, what are the gaps? Do people have difficulty accessing our services because of our processes, our wait times, uh, or any wait lists? And then having data on when the requests are coming in, how often, what the requests are about, are there no-shows, what is your really average wait time, are your wait lists, and that set of data can really identify problems with the front door to services. Other questions that an agency should be asking is, are people we work with doing better as a result of our services? And that really means, are people living happier, healthy lives? And as an agency, do we even have a way to measure progress with mental health services? Other questions are, what are the gaps and challenges that as an agency we're facing in supporting recovery from a mental health or substance use disorder? Do we know about all of the evidence-based practices that have been shown success with recovery? And in that end, do we have staff who have been trained in these evidence-based practices and are actively using those evidence-based practices? All of this and really a closer look at an agency strategic plan can really be helpful in driving the need or the desire to make that application. But the big key is with CCBHC, there's no parts of the model that an agency can opt out of, which is why the planning grants are really set up to be renewable up to four years because there's recognition that the commitment required to transform this model it can't be just done within a year. So thinking back to the goals of the CCBHC model, can you talk a little bit about how they impact the well-being of the individuals that are served in the community? Well, there's three key areas where the CCBHC certification process or model supports. The model supports initially better access to care. And by this, we really mean faster and less complicated access to care. With CCBHC, we're seeing walk-in access, same-day access scheduling, and really the hope of eliminating wait lists for supports and services. The second area the model supports is better services and supports based on the person's expressed goals. Using evidence-based practices like trauma-informed care, wellness and recovery, and also using some standardized measurement tools like the PHQ-9 for depression or the Columbia Suicide Severity Risk Index for suicidality. In particular, the CCBHC model requires screening for chronic health conditions because research has shown that people with behavioral health conditions are at high risk for developing chronic health conditions, especially if those folks do not have an identified primary care. And the third area is that better outcomes that lead to recovery and a more satisfying life with the person, you know, with the hope that more standardized processes, tools, and services will lead to more measurable outcomes that can really drive clinical care and funding decisions regarding the behavioral health services and supports that are offered at an individual state and national level. You mentioned the types of services as key parts of the model. What is required for a CCBHC as far as the service might? Well, outside of the CCBH model, the behavioral health services offered at community clinics really vary from community to community and state to state. 
With CCBHC, there's a requirement of a set of core services and supports beyond traditional counseling and medication services. And these include crisis services, peer and family support services, case and care management services, and psychiatric rehabilitation services like assertive community treatment, supportive employment, all these services that have really shown promise to support people in the recovery journey. CCBHC are also required to provide care management across systems of care. And that care management allows work with primary care clinics, larger healthcare systems, schools, community agencies, and court systems to really provide that overall support of a person. Are you tired of navigating the complex and confusing world of healthcare on your own? Look to the behavioral health experts at AFIA, a symmetry company. Our team of experienced healthcare consultants will guide you through the process of finding and managing the technology and service your organization needs to deliver exceptional care. Our services include healthcare consulting, IT management and optimization, data analytics, and more. No matter the size of your organization, we are committed to creating custom-tailored solutions so you can make data-informed decisions, drive growth, provide purpose, and predict the future. At AFIA, we believe that everyone deserves access to high-quality healthcare. Let us help you create streamlined and optimized processes to give your patients the highest quality of care. Visit us at afiahealth.com, that's A-F-I-A health.com, to learn more about how we can help your organization thrive. journey. I know that differences in the services that a funding source covers are always a source of complexity for behavioral health providers. What population of individuals is able to access services at a CCBHC? Well, the CCBHC model is really designed to provide support and services to people of all ages, across all income levels, and really irrespective of insurance coverage with varying levels of need from routine to crisis. The model really supports the idea that there is no wrong door. What factors should organizations consider when applying for a CCBHC grant this year? What makes an organization a good candidate to become a CCBHC? Well, often an agency looking to apply for a CCBHC or become certified as CCBHC is looking to either expand or improve its current service array, especially to meet some unmet community need. CCBHC grant dollars will provide funding for startup for planning and building up to capacity with clinical and financial sustainability plans. Or an agency may be looking at better ways to measure their current array against similar agencies. And the CCBHC certification standards really can be that national model of community-based care that they can base that measurement on. We hear a lot of discussion around these grants being thought of as general funds to supplement agency operating budgets. What are your concerns around that approach? Well, first and foremost, the CCBHC grants are awarded to agencies who need support to meet CCBHC standards. If an agency already meets these standards and are providing great services with great outcomes, there's really no need for grant funding for planning and implementing because the agency is already there. The grant funding really focuses on assessing and improving the process that lead to gaps in care or leads to wait time or over-reliance on emergency rooms. Simply put, again, we're looking at creating better care or providing services to more people or provide more types of services to more people. 
For those applying, what should they know about the 2022-2023 CCBHC grants? What's new? Well, there's a greater emphasis on crisis services for clinics to be responsive to urgent and emergency needs and really to be more available beyond the typical eight to five schedule before a crisis emerges. Funding can be used to support development of crisis response models like mobile crisis or crisis stabilization services, all with the goal of providing services in the community and really diverting from emergency rooms higher levels of substance use treatment centers, and psychiatric inpatient services. Another focus is providing community-based and access for services to veterans, and that's been identified as a high priority, as a number of current and former military personnel are experiencing mental health or substance use crises on an ongoing basis over the past few years. In the past, veterans have often been directed to the nearest VA services center, but there may be extensive waits for services or maybe a distance barrier. So having an in-community outreach program as part of CCBHC has been added to, to meet those needs. The other last area of emphasis is care coordination across systems of care with the ability to offer medication and treatment reconciliation with the goal of reducing barriers and paperwork for people requesting supports and services. I know for those of us working in the behavioral health EHR space, there's a lot of discussion around the onerous process of data collection and reporting for CCBHCs. I think it's really important to keep the goals of that reporting in mind, right? Access outcomes for the individuals that we're serving. Love to hear some stories from your experience on where this data has actually led to a meaningful impact on access and outcomes for clients. Well, I have a great example of an agency that we've been working with that was awarded a 2022 grant. And prior to the grant, they had a lot of difficulties engaging people at the front door. They had wait times of six to eight weeks for that initial appointment, which in calculating their no-show rate, it was higher than 50%. And then once the person did get through the door to have a first appointment, there was an average of about 30 people per week on a callback wait list to get services. So utilizing the CCBHC funding, they enhanced staffing at the front door and implemented an open access walk-in process. And within three days, the number of people with a first service tripled. And the agency eliminated both their wait time from six weeks to one hour and totally eliminated their wait list. So the immediate access likely had the potential to reduce future emergency room usage or the need for higher levels of care or intervention by law enforcement, which is one of the great goals of CCBHC. I think a, a secondary outcome of this process is as part of that chronic health screening provided by everybody who had a walk-in service. Four people were identified in the first three days as having a significant elevated blood pressure measure. And as part of their support, they were provided same-day appointments at a partnering medical clinic and were started on medication. And if those four people had not had immediate access when behavioral health services requested and then weren't screened for chronic health conditions, there could have been a hypertensive crisis. So a very positive outcome for this agency is that the CCDAC process may have actually saved somebody's life. So those type of outcomes really motivate the staff in continuing on with following the processes. That's a great note to end on. Thank you so much for your time today, Kathy. 
if you want to learn more, you can go to our website at afiahealth.com. And if you enjoyed the content today, please subscribe to the podcast on all of your favorite platforms.